0: Great. Thank you, Becky. Um, Lovely to be (coughs) up here and speaking tonight. Can't see very much from up there. Um, That's a bit better. Um, I'm loving this season of hungering after God that we're in. You've seen um, from the notices how many kind of meetings and things that we're going to be putting on over this season. But I guess the the passion for what I want to talk about tonight is that I don't want it just to be when we get together that we hunger for God. Hungering after God, in my mind, is not about just going from meeting to meeting, but we want to be hungering after God moment to moment of every day. When we're in our workplace, when we're with the family, when we're on the school gate, wherever we are, I want us to be hungry for God. And I just want to look at a a passage that um, I've found quite helpful in helping me to understand that. And I hope that as I share it, it'll be helpful for you too. So we're going to be looking at uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, And my title today is Live According to the Spirit. So Romans chapter 8, and starting at the first verse, I'm going to read that to you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the language is <clears throat> a little bit complicated there, but essentially what is it saying? It's saying for us who deserve who deserve condemnation for the sins we've done, the, things, the way we've offended God, actually have been set free because God sent his son to die on the cross to make uh, payment for our sins through his death. So actually, the, the thing that the law could never do has been accomplished through Jesus' blood. And as a consequence, we can stand before God with the requirements met for us. We can stand before him clean and covered through Jesus. So let's go on. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And verse 5 is, for me, the, the key verse. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I tried to find out a little bit more about what it meant when Um, Paul talks about the flesh, and John Stott uh, described it as the whole of our humanness viewed as corrupt and unredeemed, our fallen egocentric human nature, that part of us that is our kind of our sin-dominated self, he called it. So we can see that actually the flesh is that whole kind of worldly um, way of living that's wrapped up in our human nature, and the good news paraphrase of that verse 5 says, Those who live as their human nature tells them to have their minds controlled by what human nature wants. Those who live as the Spirit tells them have their mind controlled by what the Spirit wants. Now, of course, when we talk about living in a thinking in a fleshly way, we all live, don't we, in a real world here. We have a, a human existence, we have to manage that have to think about, you know, have I got enough food? Um, Am I going to get wet when I uh, go home from work? How will I earn money? We need to give attention to these things, and it's right to do so. So what does it mean then to set our minds on the spirits rather than the things of the flesh? And I think when we look in uh, in Romans 12, it tells us we need to have our minds transformed and renewed by God. This is actually a completely different way of thinking. Thinking about things from a spiritual point of view rather than a worldly point of view. We have to think about the same things. We have to think about those things I mentioned but actually we're not thinking them just about how do I make that happen but actually how is God going to be involved in that with me? What's God's answer in this situation? What does he think about these things? I wonder Somehow, that radical change of mindset that happens when we become Christians, I wonder whether we really understand that, whether we grasp it fully. We know that the process of becoming a Christian is often called being born again, starting again completely with a completely new new mindset, with a slate wiped clean. That's a process. It's a process that starts as we're saved. But then we get our minds slowly transformed as we start to reject one pattern of thinking and taking on a more spiritual way of thinking about things. So what's an example? Maybe, you know, I used to be worrying about my job. Used to worry, is it gonna come to an end? Am I gonna be unemployed? But actually when we start to think, no, actually God has promised that he's gonna provide for me. He will provide everything I need. Then we see things in a completely different way. So what are the kind of principles of living according to the spirit and not according to the flesh? How do we live in that way? Because what we've seen is that the verses tell us that thinking from a worldly point of view leads only to death. Thinking from a spiritual point of view leads to life and peace. And I don't know about you, but if there's a choice between death over here and life and peace over here. I'm going to choose life and peace every time. Let's look at the next few verses in Romans 8, and that will help us, I think. So from verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. As we look at this passage, there's three principles that I think we can take to help us think about what it means to have a mindset set on the Spirit. And firstly, just let's be conscious that the Spirit of God is within you. It's an amazing fact, isn't it? That actually, the Spirit of God comes to take residence within each one of us. The Spirit of God is close to us, within us, there for every thought, there for every action, there for every deed that we... Uh, what do you do to a deed? That we do. <laughs> every deed that we do. It's a passage, of course, that is written to to Christians, for those who've chosen to follow God, who've actually said, no, I'm taking uh, the the penalty of my sins. I'm putting it on Jesus. I'm letting his blood cleanse me so I can stand before God. So it's a passage for for Christians and what this verse tells us is that actually, when we become Christians, we have the Spirit of God comes and lives within us. Look at verse 9 anyone who does not have the spirit of christ does not belong to him and of course conversely anyone who belongs to him will have the spirit of christ verse 10 if christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the life is light the spirit is life because of righteousness so christ in us and the spirit in us bringing us to righteousness Just let's think about that for a moment. The Spirit within us helping to live the life that we have chosen. And if the Spirit is within us we need to listen to him. We need to expect him to guide us. For me, I guess, when we talk about hearing the Spirit's voice for me, that's never been in an audible way. It's not the way it happens for me. I know some people would say no, they'd heard God's voice speaking to them in that way. But for me, it's much more about thoughts that I come into my head and I'm not quite sure where they've come from. They seem to come from left field. I was going down one thought line and then all of a sudden, other thoughts come. And very often, I think for me, that's God speaking into, my, um, into me and into my situations. Sometimes I'm in conversations and you think, I just don't know what I'm going to say in this conversation. And suddenly, words come into your mind and again, you know, sometimes you can be quite surprised by actually what you end up saying. And again, I think God can work through us in that way. I think It was just the, uh, the week before last, I was down here in coffee box and a friend of mine had been in the hospital that week and uh, was due to have an operation and I'd been asked to pray and sort of prayed a bit. But that particular day, I it was all busy and stuff was happening. But as I came into the coffee box, there was just a person standing in the corner and he just, just looked like my friend. And oh, it's my f- oh, no, it's not my friend. No, of course, he's in hospital. Oh, I must pray for him. And it was the very day of the operation. And I just felt for me that was just a very simple example of just how God came to me and just reminded me, hey, it's time to pray for this guy. And so I did, gave myself to that. But that's the way me that it actually happens, that uh, in the different situations of life, I find God speaking to me, drawing my attention to things, giving me thoughts that I don't know where they've come from, but they seem to come from him. And as we give ourselves to listening and responding to the way that those thoughts and ideas come to us, we actually learn to trust that voice. We learn to learn to hear God's voice more clearly. Phil Wilfew, who's part of the uh, Bedford Church, In his book, Developing Prophetic Culture, says, you and I are not really alive unless we are hearing the active words of God in the present tense. Quite challenging, I think. We're not actually alive unless we're hearing the active words of God in the present tense. Something to think about, something to press into in our own walks with God. Actually, Lord, I want to be hearing your voice for my situations as I go about my daily tasks. It may not be that audible voice, maybe not lights in the sky. But just like me, perhaps it will be that God's actually putting thoughts in your head, giving you words to say, giving you pictures as you go around that actually help you understand what He wants you to do. <coughs> so my second point, if the spirit of within is within us, we need to recognise that and we need to seek to be filled with the Spirit on an ongoing basis. It's amazing to me that, you know, as we make that decision to say, yeah, Lord God, I want to follow you. I want to follow that Christian life. That Actually, the Spirit comes in to help us. Romans 8 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And His Spirit has many roles for us, doesn't He? He may be a comforter. He may be the one who brings peace to us. He may be our counsellor. He may bring that conviction of sin sometimes. He may help us to pray. But always what he will be doing will be revealing Jesus to us. He's our helper. He's the one who comes alongside. We need the Spirit's help to live the life that we've call, given ourselves to. We need his help on a daily basis. We need to be filled with the Spirit for everyday situations. Ephesians 5 encourages to do that. And for me... Being filled with the Spirit on a daily basis should be my daily experience. It's what I need. I need to hunger after God for that experience, for that touch from Him on a daily basis if I'm going to actually live the life that I want to live. And finally, just expect to know His presence with you. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Spirit to spirit. God speaking directly to our spirit. And for me, that's what I experience when we have a great time of worship, like Nick led us in tonight. I know God's spirit drawing alongside me, coming to me, bringing assurance, bringing joy, bringing peace. It's why for me, I love to just be in a worship setting like that. Sometimes, of course, it can actually be when I'm on my own in my own sort of quiet time, we've been up in Shetland this week with our uh, daughter and the kids and um, we stay in this lovely house with a beautiful view out over the lock and uh, for once in Shetland it wasn't blowing a gale and freezing cold and so I was just sitting there one day and just looking out and just there's a sense of just God just coming, I just felt oh that just that assurance, you know that love of the Father, you're my son, I'm well pleased with you. And just that kind of lovely touch. And for me, that's a real part now of my Christian experience. It's one I've come to expect and to long for and to look for. And I believe that with the spirit within us, that's that's available for each one of us. I remember reading that verse, the spirit bears witness with our spirit. (coughs) I remember John Grove said, you should never eat any of those crisps before you're going to speak because they always keep coming back. He was right. Sorry about that. Chris was nice though. Um, (coughs) And I can just remember just uh, reading that verse in India just one morning when we were uh, living out there. Just fresh revelation coming to me that actually, no, that can be my daily expectation. And I think for each of us, you know, we just need to be aware. We have the spirit within us. Let's look to him to come and draw alongside us in that way on a daily basis. So the second thing I wanted to draw out, a second one of my main points, is that with the Spirit within us, we need to decide with the Spirit's help to live that life that pleases God. Verse 13 tells us, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. Those sinful desires and thoughts that originate in our mortal bodies we need to turn away from them. We need to say, no, I'm not going to listen to that um, story that's not helpful to me. I'm not going to gossip about that situation. I'm not going to just make earning more and more money my goal. I'm not going to be worrying about that situation. No, actually, I'm going to turn to God in each situation with the Spirit's help. And it's amazing to me that actually God promises that as we start to apply ourselves in these different areas. So the Spirit comes in to help us. Think of that verse, by the Spirit. So the Spirit comes to help us, but then you put to death the deeds of the body. We take our actions, we make our decisions. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn away from that. And actually the Spirit then comes in to those very situations to give us the strength, to give us the courage to actually follow through on what we want to do. Luke nine twenty three. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not actually natural, is it, to deny ourselves. We live in a world which says, you know, if it's good for you, well, then it's fine, just do it. We're quite self-indulgent, maybe self-obsessed. But actually, the call of the Bible is very different. Just a challenge for each one of us, when did you last deny yourself for the sake of someone else, for the sake of the gospel? When did you last put your own wants and desires aside to side serve someone else? Actually, it's the Spirit who comes to help us follow through on the decisions we might make in these areas. The call of us, call on each of us is to live a radical, holy life that pleases God and it's actually only by the spirit's power that we can fulfill that and then thirdly if the spirit is in within us we can enjoy knowing that we are sons and daughters of the living god verse 15 for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear Uh, The Neil Anderson book that um, Paul recommended to us the other day, that Power of Presence book. And in it, Neil Anderson says, Christians are God's children, but every struggling believer that I've had the privilege to work with has one thing in common. None of them knew who they were in Christ, nor did they understand what it meant to be a child of God. We need to have a fresh revelation of the fact that we're children of God, born into his kingdom, loved and accepted by him. We need to have the spirit within us. We need to let him have free reign to make that cry, Abba, Father, as we respond to our father's love. We're children of God, sons and daughters, adopted by a family. You know, don't you, that when you're adopted, gives you all the rights and privileges of the family you're adopted into. Sorry, John. You're chosen. You're brought into the family. You may need to agree with that adoption, but it's actually not something that you can earn in any way. So just a few sort of thoughts that come from that idea of being an adopted son or daughter of God. Firstly, if we're adopted, we're accepted by God. We're chosen and loved by him. Ephesians 1 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Chosen in him. God looked at you and you chose you before the foundation of the world. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? And actually, that's not something that we earn. It's not something because we're good enough. That's actually just a product of God's grace towards us. I've got four, well, kind of grown-up children. Now they're all sort of over 30. And uh, nevertheless, they're still my kids. And uh, although they think they're adults, I'm not always so sure, you know. And um, sometimes they kind of make Decisions, you know, and you're sort of standing on the sidelines a little bit now, and you think, you know, why are you making those decisions, you know? But, you know, actually, I might not, dis- I might not agree with the decisions they make, but actually, it doesn't stop me loving them any less. They're still my children. They're still part of my family, although they're doing these stupid things, um, as sometimes they do. Um, but actually, my acceptance of them, my love for them, He's not changed by their actions, by what they do. And it's like that with God, really. God accepts us. God loves us. It's not conditional upon uh, who we are or what we do. God knows us completely, doesn't he, through and through. You know, I find there's something so freeing, really, that actually God loves me unconditionally, although he knows me through and through. I look at myself and I'm not always sure I'm very lovable. But actually God knows me completely and loves me right through. I know for many of us, you know, our experience of acceptance might be actually, no, I've never been accepted. I was rejected by my parents, I was rejected by a partner, rejected by a friend. God will never reject us. As we turn to him, he will always accept us, always welcome us to himself. And the second thing is God affirms us. God not only loves us, but he actually likes us. That verse that Alid started with from Zephaniah, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He delights in us. He delights in you. We've got this retreat day coming up that um, uh, Becky told us about. And we may be excited at the thought, you know, we're going to have a whole day to go away and to seek after God afresh. But actually, I believe that God is actually looking forward to that day too. Actually, as we give time to him, so actually, he delights that we actually come and give him that attention. He delights to meet with us in that way. God loves us. God likes us. And Psalm 149 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people so god accepts us god affirms us but also god gives us access right through to the throne of grace up to his uh, his face ephesians 2:18 says for through jesus we have access in one spirit to the father god invites us to come close to hear the spirit's voice to know his nearness and affection for us. As I say, to me, it's amazing that we can come anywhere near a holy God. And yet Hebrews says, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. And finally, God's affection is towards us. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Each one of us, you, me, God actually Demonstrated his love for when he sent Jesus. We look at ourselves sometimes and we think, you know, why me? Why was it God chose me? I've got that kind of thing that I'll keep struggling with. What can I offer? Don't ever think like that. God chose you uniquely and for special purpose. Only you can be the person that you are in the situations where God has placed you. For some of us, maybe it's that we don't actually really like ourselves. How can God love me? I don't feel very lovable at all. Maybe I'm too thin or too tall or not very clever. Maybe I was born into a difficult family. God has no doubts in his love for you. No hesitation in his love. God is so for you in every situation. And it's the Spirit who helps us to understand that, to experience that reality of God's love for us. And as we experience that, we can start to love ourselves too. It's the Spirit's work, witnessing with our spirit that we have children of God. That brings that assurance, that certainty about our adoption as children of God. I wonder sometimes you might feel a lack of assurance. If this is happening, does God really love me? Maybe I'm not even really saved. It's not uncommon to have those thoughts. But at those times, we need the Spirit to come and to reveal Jesus afresh to us, to help us understand deep in our spirit that we're children of God, loved by Him unconditionally. So we've covered a lot of ground we've thought about the Spirit's indwelling presence not just for Sundays when we meet together but he's present there to guide us and lead us each moment of each day with his help and strength we need to get rid of worldly thinking that focuses just on our bodily needs and our human pleasures we need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit things that are eternal and pleasing to God. And as we do that, we can expect the Spirit's peace to fill our lives. The Spirit dwells inside of each of us and we can expect that he will help us and guide us on a daily basis. We need to get used to listening and discerning to his voice the different ways in which he speaks to us. He reveals Jesus to us. And as we set our minds and minds on living that life that God has called us to, the Holy Spirit comes to help us, to empower us, to live that holy life, to overcome the sin that can easily drag us down. And we remember as we come to God, so he adopts us into his family with all the joys and the benefits of being sons and daughters of the king and kings. What a glorious place to be. What a glorious place to be. We need just to know more of the Spirit's work in our life, bringing that assurance and strength to us. Should I carry on? Yeah. Um, I've come to the end of what I want to say, but let's just, I want to encourage you maybe just to process this a little bit more, just to take it on board for your own lives. We each need the Spirit's presence on a daily basis within our life. Let's just, I'm going to help us maybe just respond to that. Maybe you'd like to stand and just, uh, let's all stand if you can. Let's just open our hearts, open our minds to God. Let's just see what He would say to us. Maybe just something of, What I've said has just uh, struck a chord for you tonight. Remember, that's that's God's voice. Just impressing on you. Just that thought. Maybe there's something you need to turn away from. Maybe actually you've just got into a worldly way of thinking. Maybe you're not setting your mind on the Spirit anymore. Maybe you've just got so affected with the busyness of life, the cares of life. Maybe you've just been too busy to give the God the time that you really want to. You remember how Jesus, when he went into the temple and he saw the money changers all doing their business in the temple and he just turned over the tables. That's what we need to do tonight. If we're trapped in that worldly way of thinking, if we're full of worry, if we're full of actually, yeah, it's too much for me, I can't do it. We need to turn those tables over. We need to change our way of thinking. We need to let God come in by his Holy Spirit to change our thinking. Maybe you're just someone who doesn't feel very certain about your faith. Somehow I made that decision, and yet somehow I'm not sure how it's working out in my life. I just want to pray, even now, for the Spirit to come to you afresh, bringing that assurance you're a loved child of God, you're accepted, His affection is for you, you have free access to the King of Kings. Maybe you're just feeling a bit dry. Maybe the Holy Spirit just sort of, yeah, I remember knowing him with me a little bit a while ago, but somehow I've just kind of got out of touch. I just want to pray now. Just Holy Spirit, won't you come? Open your hearts to him afresh. Just be ready to just receive all that he wants to give you. Our Father, he loves to good give good gifts to his children. Just even be expectant now. Holy Spirit, as I pray, that the Holy Spirit will come and flood your life afresh. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you. We invite you. We're sorry for where there's been. We've been preoccupied with other things. We've got caught up in the business of life and Lord, just our way of thinking, really, is only going to ever lead us to death. We just want to turn tonight. We want to say, Spirit, Holy Spirit, help us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Lord, that we might experience your life. We might experience peace afresh. Holy Spirit, come now, pray. Jesus. She had ya da 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 da